So this is another episode of Balls Back. My name is Matt Rigg, and with me again tonight, Ethan Hall. Ethan, how you doing? What's happening, brother? Glad to be here again. So how was your Thanksgiving? How was the uh, the long weekend? You stayed local, right? Yeah, it was great, man. Uh, nice to have a few days off. I actually carved my first turkey. That's very manly of you. Yeah, the family trusted me. Matt. I think I actually mentioned on Thanksgiving that I would be scared shitless to carve a turkey. It's like so alpha and I'm just not there. <laughs> yeah, it was a little nerve wracking leading up to it. Uh, I even, you know, watched a few videos just to kind of have an idea of what the hell I'm doing. Thank God for YouTube. I have to like YouTube. Every <laughs> yeah. time I have to tie a tie, I have to YouTube it. Oh, I heard that. Um, but yeah, they uh, they trusted me for some reason to do that and uh, came through. I actually didn't do too bad if I'm uh, you know, going to toot my own horn here. So before we get to basketball, did you happen to catch any of Tiger vs. Phil on Black Friday, the match? No, I did not get a chance to see Tiger and Phil face off. I actually really wanted to, but as you know, I was caught up with family. Did you How figure? Was it? Did you figure I would watch it before uh, we talk, I, before you knew it was gonna be on the show? Did you say Matt's watching this? Yeah, hundred percent. First off, I heard it was free. Yeah, and what's funny is I had no intention of paying for it for sure like the first thing i did was i just checked like reddit like i was trying to illegally stream it but all of a sudden it's 30 minutes before it starts i have my credit card out punch it all in i pay for it it did end up being free like i didn't find that out till later in the day yeah and when i first paid for it and logged in all of a sudden when i went back to try to stream it i couldn't do it so i all of a sudden had to download the app on my phone and I had to cast it from my phone to my TV to watch it. Right. And I didn't think much of it, but apparently that was the whole problem, is that people who paid for the pay-per-view, all of a sudden you had no access, hit the play button. But regardless, that's strike one for the event. But <laughs> I did end up watching it. <laughs> it's a Thanksgiving treat. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. They ended yeah. up getting free. I got refunded, but it was five to six hours on my Black Friday, which... Ugh. People, and theoretically, I have these grand plans to go shopping, but I'm not going anywhere on Black Friday. I literally just made leftovers and watched Tiger Phil for six, seven hours. It went way too long. Yeah. Man, I thought it was going to be really bad, or at least it had a lot of disaster potential, and it kind of was awful, but I still ended up liking it. I kind of felt the same way about it. I, I still would have watched it if I had the chance, but I had a feeling like it was kind of going to be just... Oh man! Let's it started off not. really oh. bad. <laughs> the the hour show beforehand was weird. It was basically Charles Barkley, Sam Jackson, Ben Stiller made an appearance. Oh, that's weird. I kind of liked that part where I was like, okay, this is different, yeah. not very golf related. But then all of a sudden, when Tiger and Phil got to the first hole, they teed off. They both had good first tee shots, and yeah, I think that they called a quick audible one hole into the whole mm-hmm. event because Tiger and Phil were mic'd up the whole way. But on that first hole, after they teed off, they tried to have just their banter back and forth, I guess, carry the telecast. Yeah. Phil is way out of shape. He's heavy breathing into the mic for (laughs) hours. And so as they're walking down the first hole, it's just like, Phil, 40 pounds overweight, just heavy breathing. being like, how are the kids? It's cool to see our kids in Vegas, right? Great shot. Oh my god. They tried to amp this up as if it's going to be like Connor Floyd, like the shit talking. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of shit talking involved, but they're just, it's just casual. It's just like, hey, yeah. These are, okay, so. Deborah doing okay. Golf's not a social (laughs) sport. Like, these are guys that thrive on not conversing. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? These guys spend tons of time alone. Focusing. Yeah. And they were rivals for over a decade. And so all of a sudden they were pretending like they knew each other. And it was like right. this absolutely fake relationship. I did kind of like the access. Like I liked the mics. I liked hearing what they had to say. But the first hole, when they tried to just have them carry the telecast, was a mistake. And then the rest of the way, every time they would hit their tee shots, they'd flash right back to Ernie Johnson. <laughs> and he was great. Thanks, Ernie. Uh, is it me or does Phil just constantly look like he's sweating? And not just during the match. I mean, all the time. <laughs> he is sweating. He's a nervous guy. He doesn't. He's like notoriously doesn't do well. In Looks the cr- greasy. Like I was saying, I did like the access. The camera angles showed you way more of the course undulation than you ever expect. Like you play golf sometimes. Yeah. Courses are a lot of elevation changes. You don't really see that on TV. Right. And the way the camera angles were done is they, they shot this course a hundred different ways before they ever even showed up. So you had like the backwards, forward, side angle of every hole. And what I actually liked about it most and why it kind of matters for our podcast is the gambling on this thing was fantastic. I did not gamble, but on every hole, you could have bet on somebody who's going to hit the fairway, who's going to be close to the hole, who's going to win this hole. When they would issue challenges to each other, which is another topic I'll get to in a second, you could bet on who's going to win an MGM or wherever was live betting the odds. And the TV people would actually recognize the odds and talk about it as it was happening. So it was like 20, 30% of the coverage was like geared towards gamblers. Interesting. And Tiger and Phil gambled a little bit, right? Or was it was it all a gamble? Or Yeah, that's what I was saying. So they had like these side bets, these challenges with each other, which were awkward as hell. Oh, okay, okay. So the idea was as they were playing that they were going to makes these side bets of close to the hole, long drive. Um, I'm going to go up and down from 150 yards out, whatever the case is. is a lot of golf. but <laughs> This is not a golf podcast. This is not a golf podcast. <laughs> but when they would make bets, like the other person would turn it down. Like Phil or Tiger would offer a bet, and the other one would say, nah, I'm not bite- biting on that. These things need uh, to be set up like way beforehand. Beforehand, yeah, 100%. Everyone knew about the first hole that Phil had to birdie it was like 200 grand. That's the one I knew about. That's yeah. the only one anybody knew or cared about. Right. If they were all pre-set like that, like on the first hole, Phil has to birdie. On the third hole, uh, the challenge is if Tiger doesn't get close to the pin, he has to pay Phil's uh, charity. But they didn't set it up like that. They had them exchanging the bets back and forth the whole way, and then all of a sudden when it got to like hole 12, 13, they weren't making any any bets anymore. I know this is kind of hindsight, so it doesn't really matter, but would you have... Mickelson making that birdie? Did did you kind of have an idea he would do that or not do that before they started? The hole kind of sets up for him because it's kind of like this soft dog like left, not very long, and he had a putt at it. He had like an 8 to 10 foot putt at birdie and just missed the putt. Okay. So it was 50-50. He's going to make a birdie, but he definitely had a hell of a shot. Interesting. But this, my point is that once they stopped being friendly, stopped making side bets off the jump, once it got to like hole 12-13 and all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, this is a real match. That's when it got interesting. When they stopped talking to each other, it got tense. So how about this? From the jump, from the jump, I don't need the like friendly banter. I'd okay. rather just have Tiger locked in, Phil locked in, and I like the announcing crew. Have Ernie Johnson, have Charles Barkley making weird non-golf-related comments. Yeah, well, what I'm hoping for, uh, just based on your analysis, uh, hopefully this, you know, is kind of like a beta testing, and it'll happen again, and you know, they'll have critics like you or other people and say hey you guys need to fix this this and this and it'll be better next time i don't know if that's gonna happen 
but it would be pretty sweet to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think I've heard that this has a contract for two or three. So there's going to be another Tiger Phil. Regardless, my whole point of this thing was last week, we were making picks to see who were who was going to lose our bet and who was going to have to get a henna tattoo on their lower back. That's right. For our gambling picks. This should have been our tiebreaker. It should have been. We did tie. But we remain tied. We remain tied. I think through, we are both, uh, I think seven and eight. Last week I thought was our last week, but this episode is actually still going up in November. So these picks will actually be the decider. But it would have been kind of fun to bet on the golf match as our tiebreaker. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into basketball. Go ahead and let the people know how to get in touch with us. Yeah, absolutely. I've said it once, said it a hundred times. Please email us at ballsbackpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's ballsbackpodcast at gmail.com. Definitely give us a five-star review. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes. Google Play. Google Play. Yeah, please, please, please give us a five-star review. So let's get into it with the return of our famous segment, Shoot It or Sip It. My first question to you. The Clippers will finish with over 50 wins and win a playoff series. I'm going to sip that. I talked some shit on the uh, Clipper fan experience last week, so I want to take a second to look at this team without my personal hatred blinding my uh, my goggles here. Right. I don't know. I think the Clippers being this good with the team that they have is kind of an anomaly. I think they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. It's kind of like, hey, we're still here kind of a thing. Um, They've won nine out of their last 11, first in the West. I know, and it, it's actually crazy. Um, I don't know. I think they'll continue to have a decent season, if not a better than average season. Uh, I don't think they're going to win a playoff series, though. I think last week I mentioned how they had the hardest schedule in the league to that point. When I checked again today, it's tumbled all the way down to the second hardest in the league. They've beaten the Rockets twice. They've beaten the Bucks, the Warriors, Spurs. They beat the Nets, if that counts. Uh, they beat the third seed Grizzlies. They just beat your your Portland Trailblazers on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I do see what you're saying, and I get that. Those are tough teams compared to, well, a lot of those are tough teams, especially compared to last year. Like, the Rockets, though, this year have had a very slow start. They've been horrible compared to last year. So, yeah, they're technically a, a good team. But that's all based off of last year's standards. It's very early in the season. Um, they beat the Warriors when all that KD and Draymond drama was going on and Steph Curry was out. I mean, and then the Bucks. yeah, I get that. But that's what I'm saying. That's probably the best one. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of an anomaly. It's like, yeah, it, it happens every once in a blue moon where good teams lose to bad teams. And I'm not saying the Clippers are bad, but I just think – and. and they, I think they have a tough schedule compared to last year's standards. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're still looking at these teams through like a through the lens of last season where we think, oh, the Rockets are a 60-win team. The Warriors are unbeatable. Exactly. But Steph's not playing. I see what you're saying. Okay. I think they're benefiting a little bit because they have so many vets that play on this team. Like They have like seven, eight, nine guys that have been playing big minutes or been starters for decent to good NBA teams for a long time. They're not really incorporating too many young guys outside of maybe one. Right. This roster, I think, is actually kind of a, a GM's nightmare when you look at it because they're not particularly young or really all that cheap. Right. Yeah, they're on pace right now for to win 55 games, but just on paper, you probably think this is a 40 to 
win team and they'd be stuck in the middle. But what's nice about them so far is that they've been very healthy and they actually have a lot of cap flexibility going forward. So why it's interesting is this team might actually win 50 games and just add somebody next year. Yeah, and, and you brought up another great point right there. Uh, they've been gifted with health. Uh, they have a few guys that are always plagued with injuries, and Boban might not be with us that much longer. He <laughs> suffers from giganticism, <laughs> for God's sakes. I think the season's going to end up catching up with them at some point. Do you think... I started thinking about it like this, where all of a sudden, let's say, let's think about the Clippers. There's a 50-win team, almost on their own. Okay. You just take Kawhi from the Raptors and you kind of slide him onto this Clipper roster. I mean, that's a big difference. Do you think they're much worse than the Raptors are right now, or do you think they're similar? I was trying to think maybe we overvalue the Raptors because they're in the East. Like maybe you put the Clippers with Kawhi in the East, and damn, that's a 60-win team. But maybe in the West, I'm not so sure. Right. Uh, yeah, it all depends on how much you value Kawhi. I mean, he does bring a lot to the table when he plays. I'm not sure how many of these guys would actually be on the team still when they got Kawhi, but listen to how many players here that are you think of as positive NBA players. Their best player might be Tobias Harris, which I don't even mean to discount You know how good he's been. He's averaging 21, 22 games, 7, 8 rebounds. Very efficient, which is something that maybe he struggled with a little more early in his career. Danilo Gallinari. Like you were saying, they've been gifted with health. When he's healthy, he's always been he's always been good. Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell was a throw-in on the trade with Chris Paul last year. They got Pat Beverly, Montrez Harrell, and I think a first-round pick who turned into something, some other player at maybe one's on the Hawks. I think it was Amari Spellman. And Harrell's just his throw-in. He's not even 25 yet. He's averaging 16 points, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks, only 26 minutes a game. He gets a ton of these deflections and dirty plays for them. Pat Beverly was thrown in Boban. I know you just <laughs> mentioned <laughs> Boban might be dead. Luke Maba Mute. Everyone's talking about for the Rockets that they don't have Luke Maba Mute as it's a bad thing, right? So doesn't that mean because the Clippers have him, it's a good thing? Um, then they also have Avery Bradley, who hasn't even played well. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who was the, I think, 12th pick in the draft, maybe 11th or 12th. The upside, I'm not really sure if it's there, but he's already just come into the league usable. And then I haven't even mentioned Lou Williams yet. Former Laker Lou Williams. I <laughs> I hate watching Lou. Like I think How that the, he's doing? I think the Clippers are in a hostage situation with Lou Williams and don't even know it. Because Lou is a black hole on offense that all of a sudden ends up with all of the credit whenever something goes right. He's good at the end of the games because he can keep a he can keep his dribble alive, he's gonna draw a lot of fouls. But what people don't really realize is the other three quarters he's not guarding anybody. Every Every time he goes to the free throw line, he's already given up multiple baskets. I think this season he's shooting 35, 36% from the field, barely over 30% from three, but he makes all his living at the free throw line and in clutch moments. So he puts your team into this hole. And luckily right now with the Clippers, he's kind of, he's playing with, you know, a good team. And so he comes in at the very end of these games and steals all the credit, even though he's really only stealing the credit because his skills are valuable late game. But in reality, he only has one move. He only tries to draw fouls going left. He doesn't play defense. He makes his free throws. He has terrible percentages. And he just steals all the credit. So in reality, once a journeyman, always a journeyman. And I think that's enough Clippers talk for the last two weeks. Uh, sounds about right. And our next shooter, sip it. The Kevin Durant Warriors are done. Shoot it. They're done. 
It's crazy that the Clippers are actually having like the season to remember, but the Warriors on the verge of nuclear meltdown, and they're both tied for first. It's also a season to remember, if, depending on who's looking at it. I mean, it's clear KD and Draymond hate each other. The Warriors are trash and strikingly average without Curry. Hey, they've won two in a row. <laughs> um, yeah, it's clear that KD's not welcome there. It's kind of funny is that they would actually be, I think the Warriors would be a 70-win team if you could give me like two of those Clipper players we were just mentioning. Oh, yeah. Like these guys that are playing 20, 25 minutes for the Clippers that can fill in for minutes where Damian Jones is playing center for them. Give him Boban over Cook. Oh, yeah, Quinn Cook playing yeah. point guard. <laughs> Fuck it, let Boban play point guard. <laughs> Kevin Looney, they've been trying to figure out Kevin Looney for three years. Yeah, um, that's true. They have this weird Pat McCall holdout. I was doing some research for this. I didn't even realize why Pat McCall wasn't playing. I thought he was like on another team, but I guess he straight up just declined a contract offer from them and is just hanging out in no man's land. They could really use him. Yeah. He's like the occasional shooter, but he's better defender. Like he's right. better than some of these other guys that they have throwing spare minutes. Like Jonas Drepko is like the fifth most important player on this team, like before like Boogie plays. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Here's another shooter sip for you. Okay. Kevin Durant is a warrior next season. Oh, man. Uh, Hit me. Uh, I, could go, I could go either way on this one. I'm going to sip it. I think that Kevin Durant stays. I want him to leave, but why would he? Here's a look at the uh, the current odds right now. So they have the Lakers as the favorite to sign them at plus 150. There's a lot of teams here. Bear with me. Warriors plus 300. The 76ers plus 500. Knicks plus 750. The Nets plus 1500. Mavs plus 2500. Rounding out with the Spurs at plus 3000. Wizards at plus 3500. 3, and the Clippers at plus 5000. You can go ahead and cross off the Mavs, Wizards, and Nets. Yeah, I think that's obvious. <laughs> We've gone down this Wizards path before um, with him a few years ago. That was a much better situation at that time. Right. Um, so why wouldn't he consider it now? But I think the odds kind of reflect that's not really a possibility. Why are the Clippers so low? Haven't you, haven't you heard about KD to the Clippers before? They talked about it a little bit on, like, even Bill Simmons mentions that he could see him kind of fitting in there where he's not in LeBron's shadow. He kind of is taking this team that's always been you know kind of the b team in la and he can just kind of fit in on a team and it's going to be his team it's literally like the anti-warriors so is that's kind of my question here i, I kind of already said it but why would he leave is it does he want his own team is that what it is i mean i think it's i'm kind of kidding when i say he's not welcome there but does he actually not feel welcome there i mean i think it's to please people other than himself to be honest with you like kevin durant always talks about how he doesn't read anything, he doesn't listen to people, he's just out there trying to make himself happy on the basketball court or wherever he's playing. But I think the reason he ultimately leaves is because he wants people, you know, who talk about basketball to really respect him. People who are played the game or people who follow the game really intensely say Kevin Durant's one of the top five, seven best players of all time. Yeah. The Warriors, I think, are kind of keeping him away from that conversation. Whereas opposed to even if he gets to a final or two on his own team or wins a, wins a championship away from that team, aren't you going to respect him a lot more? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, this isn't anything new, but, I mean, it's. I feel like he doesn't get a lot of respect because he joined a team that was already doing well without him. So if you could put him on any team, where would you just put him? Just for your own entertainment value. Let's see him in the Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> he actually would fit in nice. They've been trying to find a small forward forever. Yeah, they They're have. supposed to be mellow two years ago. Yeah, well, yikes. The Sixers being plus 500 is kind of weird to me because Vegas knows. 
So why are the Sixers plus 500? Why are they the third most likely team to get him? I think that assumes that Jimmy Butler would leave. Like, because if they're absorbing his cap space, because I think this is assuming that he goes over there as a free agent, that they would just let Jimmy walk for Kevin Durant. I mean, that doesn't really add up. So why would the Sixers be the third most odds? We could be way off on this. I mean, who would you rather have, KD or Jimmy? <laughs> Come on, KD. Yeah, so make it work. I the mean, Knicks at plus 750 is kind of interesting. I would kind of actually say it's Lakers, Warriors, Knicks, Clippers, and that's about the end of it. The Knicks would be interesting just because he's going there. They're going to have another top five pick. Porzingis is going to be back. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty interesting. Kevin Knox has been a little bit of a disappointment, but I don't know if there's a way they can maybe have Kemba Walker, Kevin Durant, and Porzingis. Ooh. Now we're now we're cooking. Now we're good. Now I'm interested. Okay, let's move on to our next sip it or shoot it. Do you buy early season betting trends in regards to NBA gambling? Uh, I'm going to sip that. I'm still feeling the season out. Yeah, I think give me about three weeks and I'll be the most confident I'll be in in betting. There's a big difference between the very early season, like the first four or five games like really stick in people's head. Like, uh, for example, Luca gets off to a crazy hot start and he's continued that hot start. But just because he had the first five hot games, people just assume he's great. Oh, he's, he's having good. a good season. Yeah, exactly. And that may be the case. But in reality, when you first start seeing there's a line somewhere, some arbitrary line, whether it's 20 games, 30 games, 25% of the season, 40% of the season, where those trends, that's what the teams are. That's actually going to play out more often than not over the course of the season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So what's your line where you feel comfortable following the trends? Like I said, I think give me about three weeks. Uh, four weeks, I think I'll have an idea of who's good and who's not, and who's good at covering, who's not good at covering, because I can't tell you how many bets I've put on the Rockets this year, and they've screwed me over because I'm still thinking about them from last year. And That's a perfect transition I have even noted right here. Just to let the listeners know, who are the five worst teams to bet against this season and the five best? So the five worst teams to bet, your Rockets, yep. my Lakers, the Wizards, the 76ers, and the Boston Celtics. The, exactly. That proves our point right there. The five best teams to bet on, Dallas Mavericks, Sacramento Kings, Charlotte Hornets, Memphis Grizzlies, and our newfound Los Angeles Clippers. Once again, that proves my point because that top five right there, last year you couldn't have bet on at least three, if not four of those. And the bottom five to bet on that you mentioned you would bet them the highest last year about three or four of them celtics were near the top against the spread last year yeah and uh, i think rockets were too yep Um, it's kind of a repeating pattern when it comes to gambling what's nice about we were talking about nfl versus nba earlier where nfl you're working with such a small sample size where it's kind of hard to go against these against the spread percentages because you're dealing with we're far into the season it's 12 games in yeah exactly but we're already 20 games in the nba and Soon you're going to have a 30-game sample size, a 50-game sample size to choose from. So we actually are able to use these trends a lot more than you are in football. Yeah, I mean, last year, you know, around this time, or, you know, as I stated earlier, three weeks past this time is right right around where I hit my streak, you know, where I was winning for two, three weeks in a row because I knew the trends. For listeners, this is the most famous gambling streak in either Ethan or my life. (laughs) Not even close. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Where are your nets? Why aren't they in the uh, top five teams to bet on? What's going on? It's not D'Angelo Russell's fault, I'll tell you that. I mean, they're up there. 
I've, Haven't I, been doing that bad. They haven't been. But they're not in the top five though, so that's yeah. why I'm bringing it up. No. Did yeah. you see D, uh, D'Angelo's last game though? Oh, which one? Thirty-eight points, eight assists, eight rebounds. Oh yeah, the game. Man, I was in hearing a couple podcasts, and it's getting me like worked up because they're saying, "Oh, this is the D'Angelo that we all saw. This guy's got a lot of upside. This is where I kind of pictured him when he was on the Lakers. Nobody said that. Yeah. Everyone thought this guy was a mess." Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's like this upside guy. And by the way, he is. I think he's going to end up averaging the season probably 20 points, six, seven assists. Yeah, everybody was super down on him. Um, he's not a great defender. Yeah. Still isn't. Yeah, that's fine. So, you know, that's never going to be one of his strengths, but the guy is definitely going to get his baskets, and he's filling in plenty for Karras right now. Yeah. Next shooter sip it. Tipping when you pick up food. Do you do it? Ah, uh, shoot it, man. I'm too nice. I'm sipping this. Yeah. Well, I've yeah, I've seen you pick up food and then you don't tip for shit. And I, it always threw me off. I'm used to it now. Um, I didn't even know it was a thing until a few years ago. I was picking up uh, food out of BJ's uh, pizza, you know, with my brother. And he tipped like five bucks and he picked up the pizza. I don't even think he knew it happened. I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> it's like, natural. It comes natural to some people. It said tip on the receipt. I had to. That's what I don't like about it. <laughs> yeah, they kind of finagle their way into you tipping them. I feel like I'm only tipping because they got me Parmesan and red pepper. Yeah, yeah. It's other than that, they're just kind of doing their job, right? Right. Yeah, I still do it. I feel bad. God, you're so beta. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. This <laughs> this is our last shooter sip. It. Um, I actually sent you this question during the week, and you had a few thoughts on it. So I'm gonna clear out. Give you a second, Ethan. Take us to our first segment of Down the Hall. Y'all know I don't stretch. Anybody pay attention to Viking football? 84 don't stretch on game day. Uh-huh. All right, first segment of Down the Hall. Yeah. I'm going to speak to you guys about Alpha Hairlines this week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how you were going to bring it up. <laughs> the question I asked you was, should it or sip it? Alex Caruso has the best hairline in the league. I have a list. Uh, and I have top five. I'm going to start with five. We'll go backwards here. Number five, Costa Kufis. I really actually don't even want him on this list. Uh, I actually consider this being a top three, top four list. I, it, you know, on the sideline, it's, it's not one of those, you know, dad hairlines. It's like, oh shit, he has a drinking problem hairline. (laughs) So, um, that's number five. Number four, Cody Zeller. Uh, you know, like I said, almost didn't make the list as well. He's new to the game. Yeah, he's fairly new. I'd like to see where this hairline takes him. So Last I'm, year, he definitely wouldn't have made this list. He still had no, his hair. No, he still had his hair. So, you know, that's that's why he's four. It's still forming. I'd like to see where this goes. A lot of potential. There is a lot of potential. This can go either really up or really down. Could get into some Costa Kufis territory. We'll see. Uh, number three, uh, Joe Ingles. Huge receding hairline. Uh, still dropping threes. Huge bucket getter. He's and, a big wid- widow's peak. Yeah. So his hair, like, he still kind of got it right in the top middle. Yeah, it's still just, pretty thick around that area. Just goes so, back far. you know, you gotta, you gotta give him that. You know, th- these top three here, I'm not gonna lie, they're pretty tough for me. They're, they're all pretty much fighting for one. But, uh, number two, Alex Caruso. <laughs> Deep cut. <laughs> yeah. Gnar- he has a gnarly widow's peak. And uh, but it's fading, and it looks like it's kind of penciled in. Um, Every he, time he dunks, you would send me the video, and you say, 
small step for man, giant leap for receiving hairlines. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and he's the youngest to have it. It's crazy. So He's already the GOAT. He's like 24 yeah. <laughs> years old and already the top of the league. Now, number one. I hate to do this because he's number one in a lot of things, but I'm giving it to LeBron James. He has the most alpha hairline in the NBA. You know, once you think it's gone, that shit grows back. This segment is brought to you by uh, For Hims. <laughs> Use promo code HALL. Let them know uh, that we sent you. Yeah, let them know Balls Back sent you. You should get a 10-15% discount. It is remarkable that he has been balding. If you, Depending on the photo, depending on the day. He may have no hair, but all of a sudden that's come back. It's not fooling you any, though. Yeah, not fooling me. All right, let's get into our uh, our picks for last week. Do you want to go first this week or me? Uh, I'll start. Uh, get this off my chest. I went two for three last week. Uh, I think I'm seven and eight overall. I had the Sixers-Pelicans. Uh, I had Sixers minus four over the Pelicans. Holiday Randall and Moore had a great night that night. I didn't expect Moore to go off for 30. He's more of a defender, so I... I calculated in his 30 points for my pick. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Uh, moving on to the next team I picked, uh, I had the Nets getting 6.5 with the Mavericks. Uh, you know, I went with what I knew best. The Nets were going to cover me like they always do, and sure enough, they did. They spread. They cover the spread more often than not. Didn't they make it by half a point? Didn't they lose by 6? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, when I, when I looked at it, uh, because obviously I didn't watch this game, um, Just like I calculated Etwan Moore, you calculated in that half point. It made it yeah, the perfect bet for you. I mean, that's why it's a bet. Uh, you know, former Blazer Alan Crabb went off. He was cooking that night. He had 27 points and seven three-pointers. And then for my next team, uh, I picked the Bulls getting two points at home against the Suns. And honestly, there's no need to discuss this game as no one, myself included, watched it. Uh, but I called it. So. I think you gave specific instructions last week to do not watch this game, just bet the Bulls. And- yeah, don't watch it um, unless you have season tickets, and then it's kind of forgivable. And for my three picks, I actually had one of the same games, but the opposite team. I had the Pelicans plus four in Philadelphia. They ended up only losing that game by one. Pelicans got to a horrible start to that game. It was kind of following it early. They made a big comeback in the second half. Etwan Moore, huge game. Drew Holiday, huge game. Julius Randle, though, man, he has been good for them game to game, whether or not Anthony Davis is out. And Anthony Davis is versatile enough to even when he is playing, he can play next to a guy like Julius Randle, who's kind of this prototypical big guy, not necessarily the best shooter, and they both thrive. He can play next to a shooter type like Nikola Mirotic, and they both play fantastic, and you know they can stretch the floor a little more and still keep that same defense. But Julius Randle, I mean, God damn, the Lakers could have used him. That guy, he plays 30 minutes a game. He's going to walk into 18 points, 11 rebounds, and four assists. I think he actually kind of has, um, like we were talking about Dario Saric kind of being this transition ball handler type where he can really thrive when he's maybe your second ball handler in a lineup. He can really create and score, and he's figured out how to be undersized and kind of all of a sudden put up the same production he did in college where he can just rack up these points and rebounds and shoot like 60% from the field. Uh, my next pick was the Kings plus 9.5 in Utah. This was my biggest gimme all week. Um, we talked about the Kings a little bit, but I think it's more of an indictment against the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz have lost seven of their last nine games, and even last night on Monday night, they lost by 33 to the Pacers. Yeah. Um, Not even Joe Ingles' hairline can save the Jazz. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see the... Uh, 
the Jazz giving nine and a half points for a while. Um, and for my last pick, this was my dud. I took the Warriors minus one at home against the Thunder. We actually watched this game a bit over a game of darts. Um, <laughs> I was more frustrated with the uh, the dartboard actually working. But uh, the Warriors era is over, and I should have known that. OKC won. It was never really close. I needed you to lose that one. That was the last game of the night, and uh, that would have decided our hand attack, too. So. so we're both 7-8. and eight. Loser this week has to get a henna tattoo on their lower back. We'll see. We will see. We'll think of a tiebreaker if we need one. Yep. So for my picks this week, I'm going back to the Pelicans well. I am taking the Pelicans minus six at home against the Wizards. Very few teams I would like to bet against more after two wins than the Wizards. Wizards have won two in a row. Um, They're a tire fire. I think they're going to let that uh, smoke bother them a little bit. And maybe they're going to rest a little, and the Pelicans are going to take care of business. Going back last year, the Wizards are 22-30 and 30 against the spread after a win. And the Pelicans this season are doing work at home. They're 8-2 and two overall. For my next pick, I'm taking the T-Wolves minus 4 at home against the Spurs. The T-Wolves have been pretty good and drama-free post-Jimmy, but even more so. The last thing I heard from the Spurs and Popovich was that LaMarcus Aldridge or DeMar DeRozan were due for a night off at any point. You know, a reporter asked them if either Aldridge or DeMar was going to be rested coming up, and he said that they were both overdue. So maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, this line's moved, and one or both of these guys are sitting. But at the time, I'm taking the T-Wolves minus four while I can, assuming that there's probably a 50% chance that at least one of these guys uh, sitting. And for my last pick, this line's way too big. I think you're going to be kind of pissed about this one. I took the Clippers minus 12, giving 12 points. At home against the Suns. The Suns are coming off a back-to-back. They're playing against the Pacers tonight. So I like that. That's probably worth usually about two or three points on a given line. Uh, Clippers are remarkably healthy at this moment. You know, use that to your advantage. And Lou Williams is going to take me home. All the shit I talked, he's going to, uh, <laughs> right at the end of the game, it's going to be a 10-11 point game. And boom, he's going to go to the line. And the Clippers win by 13. Uh, See what I did there? Yeah, it was a nice little uh, turnaround there. Um, moving on to uh, my three picks this week. I have the Hawks getting 12.5 against the Hornets. I think that's way too big of a line. We've talked about it a million times. You're going to get tired of it. But 12.5 is too much. They're both trash teams. Don't watch it, please. Doctor's Um, orders. Doctor's orders, don't watch it. My only concern here is Kimba matched up against Trey Young. I think Kimba's going to walk all over Trey Young. That being said, Kimba is not that great defensively, but I think he's going to step up his defense step up his defensive game against Trey Young just to kind of show Trey Young who daddy is. Do you know what I mean? So um, He don't stretch. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Moving on, next team. Similar bet. Uh, Knicks getting 12.5 against the Sixers. I wanted to take the Sixers, but they are the worst team in the league against the spread. I should have known that, actually. Uh, I've been on them a few times and lost quite a few times, but uh, I was looking it up, and I was like, oh, that number's too high. Let's let's check the spreads. And then Knicks coming off a of back-to-back doesn't worry you at all? No. They've, uh, what, is it, what is it, two in a row they've won, right? Something like that. They for sure won their last game. Yeah, I know they won one for sure. I think it's two in a row. I mean, they're, they're kind of on a streak for them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be closer than 12 and a half. Time will tell. I might be eating my words by next week. And lastly, 
You might be seeing it on your lower back. <laughs> and lastly, I have to go with my Blazers. This is not a Blazers podcast, but I have to go with them. They're playing the Magic, and they are giving seven points. Blazers are coming off three losses, and they're coming off a few days of rest, and they're home. I mean, everything is pointing towards the win. They should win this game for sure. It's just a matter of them covering seven points, and honestly, I think they're going to do it. Well, I hope you get all three of those picks wrong. Fuck you. Let the listeners know how to get in touch with us. (laughs) Yes, please get in touch with us. Uh, Show us your interest. Give us a five-star review, please, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Please give us a five-star review. Reach out to us at ballsbackpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's ballsbackpodcast at gmail.com. Ethan, I'll talk to you again soon. I hope you have a great week. You too, brother. Thanks.